Well, hello and welcome to our next episode of the Tips and Tales podcast. I'm your host, Robert Poe, and as always, I'm here with author and trainer, George DeCosta. George, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, thank you. Thanks again for having me back. I look forward to these. Yeah, yeah, it's been it's been really good. We've gotten some some great feedback from people and appreciate the emails that come in. And um, we'll actually just go ahead and dive into a couple. We just have a couple questions we're gonna ask today uh, from listeners. One should, the first one here should be pretty quick. Um, the next one will be a little bit longer, but but really, really good stuff. So I'm, I'm excited to, to talk about it. So the first one is just a question about vests for your dog. What do you, what do you recommend? What have you used? Maybe what are some pros and cons you see to, to having a vest on your dog? Okay. Well, um, yeah, I do use vests on my dogs. Not all the time, but I do. Um, the one I use the most, and I'm talking Upland right now, is called, the I think it's called Mendota Skid Plate. And I like that one because it, it protects the belly, but there's just straps going over the top. So it lets the dog remain cool mm -hmm. and move around a little bit easier. So that's my go-to vest on Upland is the Medota Skid Plate. And it's just, like I say, it's just, just covers the belly. I have a couple other ones that I've had for years, a Browning and a couple other ones that more are the full. And these are usually blaze orange that go around the sides. Mm -hmm. I rarely use those anymore. Um, so Upland, it's the Medota Skid Plate. Um, for waterfowl, I don't often use it, but now and then I'll use a neoprene vest and almost any vest you can get works. But you'll find that different dogs have different fit in the vest. Sometimes they, the, the vest sticks out around the neck and, and in other places. What I do with those is I trim around the, I trim around the legs. So I just take a, a Sharpie marker and I'll mark, um, I'll put it on the dog and I'll mark how much I want to trim off in different spots. So I trim around the, the, the legs. Sometimes I trim up around the growing to allow a male dog a little bit more room. Um, but the other thing that I do is I just buy rubber cement. It's just, uh, like for patching tires, I get a tube of that and I will draw V's in the neoprene vest again with a black Sharpie where I want to kind of like a tailor, I guess, um, make it fit a little better. Mm -hmm. And all I do then is I, uh, I um, cut the V, make sure I like it where it's at. I put the rubber glue on the neoprene, and then I just put it together and let it glue itself together. And I'll just take a I, – I, I used to do my own taxidermist work on all my uh, my birds, so I have these hook needles. So I'll just uh, do a couple stitches at the beginning and the end where I, where I cut it and glued it together. And I've had those last for years, and it makes the neoprene vest custom fit a lot better. That way mm -hmm. they're not catching on stuff when they're – swimming and things of yeah, that nature yeah so yeah because definitely I've, I've seen it where a dog has a vest that doesn't fit right and it's like uh, it's it's not worth it in, in those yeah, moments the water's all going in front it's sticking mm -hmm. out and it's really easy to do you just uh kind of pinch your vest mark it with a sharpie cut the v out where you want to nip and tuck it glue it together and and just i just run a stitch usually at the top sometimes at the bottom and uh mine mine they hold forever yeah so. yeah that's great. Awesome. Easy question. Yeah. yeah <laughs> right. Like so the next one, uh, and we've talked a little bit about this um, via email, that is kind of a myth that I, I think you're a little excited to talk about here. So somebody wrote in and said that they're getting their first hunting dog, but they have heard that you can't play tug of war with it and that ten tennis balls are terrible for it. So don't play tug of war. Don't play with tennis balls. And so he was like, what am I supposed to do with my puppy? Yeah, my dogs must be all messed up because I play tug of war all the time and I throw tennis balls all the time. So uh, I think that's a myth, but there is some 
some reality to that, and I'm gonna I'll share what 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 I mean in just a in just a minute here. Um, and and what I want to mention here before we get into that is I've heard me say this many times that dogs are much smarter than people give them credit for. Mm-hmm. If you don't think so, watch how many dogs train their owners. If you, <laughs> yeah, right. You know, you'll see how smart uh-huh. a dog can be. They know how to get that treat. Yeah. So there's a lot of what I believe are myths and. And now you can train a dog however you want. Like I've told you before, get all the tools in the tool pouch, get all the techniques and use what works for your dog. Um, but, you know, some of the myths, and we've touched on them already, is uh, you have to you have to introduce gunfire with a bird so the dog will know that, that a gunfire, well, you know, that's baloney. You can, your dog will figure that out real quickly. Another one, when we get into force fetch is... Uh, you can't use fetch until you get into force fetch because you have to use fetch and force fetch and it'll, mm-hmm. it'll confuse the dog. I use fetch all the time with my puppies. Every time a bird goes out and we shoot it, I say fetch when the dog leaves. Even if the dog's already going out, I say fetch. That way they learn that the fetch command go, means to go ahead and go out. Um, and then I also say dead bird. You've heard me mention this all, all the time. Whenever mm-hmm. the bird hits the ground, the dog gets to the, the bird. I'm touching on this because we're going to get tracking. Mm-hmm. I say dead bird. So so a few myths there that I believe are myths. I, I say fetch all the time with my puppy. I use the tug of war with ropes. I use it with a towel. Um, I throw I throw tennis balls. In fact, when I drummel my dog nail, my dog's nails, I have a big towel underneath, and they do it on the couch, and I drum them so I can round them off. You might have heard me say that before. And when they're both done, the first thing I do is grab that towel and put it in put it in the air, start playing with them, and they jump up, grab the towel, and we play tug of war. Do mm-hmm. it all the time. And my dogs have super smooth, super soft mouths. <laughs> they uh, they'll bring quail to me, still alive, and things of that nature. So uh, I don't think playing tug of war makes your dog have a hard mouth in any manner at all except if we go back you remember that i said when a puppy starts picking up its first bird Mm -hmm. that you let it have its bird you let it walk around you let it prance around with the bird yeah yeah. you just give it its time you don't take it away from it when it comes back if it starts to chomp you take it away okay Mm -hmm. that means that you're telling it if you get if you have hard mouth on this bird you don't get to keep it but as long as it's carrying it fine i'll let i'll let a pup run around for a long time with the bird until it gets tired and drops it so that tells the puppy i can hold this bird nicely and i can keep this bird as long as i want until i start chomping or mouthing this bird yeah yeah um i also many times after the pup has held the bird for a while I will have the puppy give me after now this is maybe the second, third, fourth, fifth time that it's that it's picked up a bird. After it's held it for a while, pranced around, showed off its reward, I'll call it to me, I'll take the bird away, I'll give it right back to the puppy. Here mm-hmm. you go. And then we'll let it prance around again. That stops I'm, I'm kind of repeating myself, but repetition creates an automatic response, right? Exactly. So that stops the puppy from from being afraid to bring you the bird. And you're going to take it away right away. Mm-hmm. It also uh, develops a soft mouth because it holds the bird, runs around, prances with it, shows it off, walks with you on the lead. And then sometimes you take the bird, toss it, or give it right back to it. So it's all very, very positive. Now, if you've played tug-of-war with your puppy and it grabs its first bird and you call it to you and you try to pull it out of its mouth, 
now that tug of war might come in because now it knows how to play tug of war and it goes, well, I don't want you to take this bird, so I'm going to clamp down on it. I'm going to pull back on it. Mm -hmm. So if you haven't done the the bird introduction yet and you play tug of war, tug of war, I do it all the time. It's fine. Just make sure you let that puppy have that bird, mm-hmm. prance around with it. Don't take it away right away. If it starts to chomp, take it away. And and you will find that your dog will very very quickly learn that as long as it keeps a small a soft mouth, it can have the bird as long as it wants when it when it's a pup, and it won't transfer the tug of war into bird possession. Mm-hmm. So I hope that makes sense. Yeah, um, yeah. And uh, and like I say, uh, puppies, dogs are smart. It will learn real quickly. To hold the bird nicely, bring it to you, everything's positive. If it mouths the bird, you take it away. Um, and it won't relate it to the tug of war as long as you do the introduction correctly. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, there you go. So I think it's another myth. At least I've done tug of war with my pups, played with tennis balls for, for, for many years. As a matter mm-hmm. of fact, um, some puppies, when they have, uh, sometimes the jaws, bottom jaws on puppies develop slower than the upper jaws. I'm cutting out a little bit. Is it okay? Yeah, no, I think I think you're still good. Okay, because I, I hear me cutting out. Sorry, sorry everybody, if you hear me cutting out. Um, sometimes the bottom jaw actually develops slower than the top jaw, and you will have um, the canine teeth um, coming into the the upper gum area. And many many vets recommend having your dog hold a tennis ball or play with a tennis ball because it pushes those teeth out. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, I think it's a myth. I think as long as you do the introduction properly, your dogs will not relate it to birds, and mm-hmm. you're good to go. At least I do it with my dogs all yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I have one, uh, yeah, one of my pups, that's one of her favorite things to do. Like, she'll bring me something to play tug-of-war with, and it's a great way for her to burn some energy and for us to connect. And But but she also does note, like, yeah, the, with, with a bird, like, we don't do that with a bird. Yeah. Yeah, and generally, if you're hunting your dogs after you've introduced them properly, they may not even want to bring the bird all the way back to you. They want to go hunt and find some more birds. So yeah. you'll find some of them. <laughs> yeah, right. Bring the bird, drop it. That's okay when there's a pup. And if they bring it back to you and you you praise them and you get the bird back, they're ready to go run out and find another bird. So, yeah, I think that's a myth. And uh, Mythbusters here, we can just kind of blow it out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, so we're going to move in to keep keep moving through the book here, and we're on to tracking. Okay. So tell us a little bit about, about how you how you train for tracking, and you kind of mentioned a little bit earlier about you know dead bird sort of stuff. So why don't you go ahead and just move into that? Yeah. Well, well, you know, as usual, I'm going to back up just a little bit and say that um, we've already introduced our, our puppies to to gunfire, and we're shooting birds over over the puppy now. So. Um, Repetition creates an automatic response. As I mentioned earlier, every time we shoot a bird over a puppy, I don't care what age, we I give the fetch command or I have the owner give the fetch command. And um, that just triggers the puppy to go out and get the bird. Um, and, and it'll come to play later in force fetch. Um, so every time, whether the pup is already running, many times when we shoot a bird in the air, the pup is already gone. And I'll tell the owner, say fetch, say fetch. And so the pup can be halfway to the bird. And the owner starts saying, fetch, fetch, or gives the puppy's name, you know, whatever, Shiloh, fetch. Um, and every time it gets to the bird, 
it has seen the bird hit the ground, we say dead bird, and I've mentioned this earlier. So we've already done this with a puppy. Now when I start teaching, teaching tracking, I think it's very important to have a separate command. You don't want you don't want it going into a search mode. You want it to going into a tracking mode. Mm-hmm. So when I go into the field, whatever command you want you want to use for release, I use hunt 'em up or whatever works for you. I want to make sure I don't use that command. So I use dead bird because the puppy's already used to putting putting its nose down and looking for a dead bird on the ground. So that triggers it to know that I'm going to be putting my nose on the ground and the bird is already on the ground. So I use the dead bird command. The other thing I do is remember that um, I talked about doing the half hitch, the easy command. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Earlier? Okay, so what I do is if I'm going to the field with a pup, I will take the pup and I will put it on a regular lead and I'll take it out to the field. And I want it fired up to do a search. We're going to go out and do field work. We're going to get into field work here in a little while, so... Um, and I let that pup go. I say, hunt him up. And that pup takes off. I want it to take off. I want it to have confidence to go and, and move about in the field and do a good search. Mm-hmm. Now, when I'm going to tracking, what I do is I put that half hitch on. And remember the easy command we said? Yeah, yeah. So as we approach to where we're going to track, I'm saying easy, easy, easy. So now think about this. The dog has already, know, already knows that and learned that when a bird hits the ground, we give the dead bird command, and it's going to find something on the ground. It has mm-hmm. seen it hit the ground. It already knows when we say easy that it needs to slow down. Yeah. So we're, now we're going to go to the track, and, and it's already knows. It kind of already knows what to do. It knows to put its nose on the ground for a dead bird, and it need and knows easy means slow down. So so what I do, and there's a lot of different ways to doing this, and I'm going to mention a few of them. I'm just going how I do it right now. Um, what I do is I take a pheasant or a chucker. And I pluck some feathers, put it on the ground. I will rub that bird on the ground a lot right mm-hmm. there. I'll make a nice big, you know, spot to where that dog's going to hit hit a sinkhole. Is that is that kind of like similar to uh, when you you put a bird out in a launcher and you do the like lollipop. the lollipop yeah. on it? Kind of same idea. You're just making sure there's tons of scent. Yeah, yeah. Only I'm not drawing a circle and putting it in now. Sometimes I toss yeah. the bird on the ground. I actually take my foot and just kind of rub it with my foot in the ground. I just want a real solid spot full of scent. Mm. Okay, okay. Um, and I hook the bird to a to a pole um, that um, is. Uh, and at first, I start off with a dead bird. I want a lot of scent, um, and I hook it to a pole. It's a paint pole, and it's got a uh, extension on it, and I've got a lead on the bird, and I just drag it out, and I start very short. I want to just do maybe 20, 30, 40 feet real easy. I want the wind crosswind if I can get a crosswind. I mm-hmm. don't want it blown in the, in the puppy's face. And I just do a really short drag, just drag it. This is all planning for success. Yeah, yeah. You're going to bring the puppy there. It's going to smell it, put its nose down. Because I say dead bird, dead bird, it's going to start tracking. You're going to let it go, and it's going to find a bird. Okay. So when you say a short, a short distance, are you talking like five, ten yards, or a little bit further than yeah, that? Maybe, maybe around ten yards or so. Okay. Yeah, yeah 30, 40 feet, something yeah, like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's certainly not like it's it it it'll be easy. Like it'll stumble upon it if nothing else. Yeah, and I don't want it to stumble upon it. And I'll tell you how how we're going to do that. Um, uh, but I want success right away. Mm-hmm. And depending on the terrain, if the terrain is very light, I might go I might go 20, 30 yards, probably not. But if it's very thin, I want to get it out there a little bit more 
just so the pup can work. Yeah. If it's thick cover, then I don't have to go so far because the pup's going to have to work through that thick. So it kind of depends on what the what I'm what I'm dragging the, yeah. the bird. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. So um, now I'll, I'll touch bases right here and say that. Uh, a lot of people will use a dead bird. They'll use a pheasant. Some people will use ducks to do exactly what I'm telling you because ducks stink a lot more than most birds do. So, again, it creates success. Some people will use mm -hmm. hot dogs because, uh, you, you know, you're just having your dog learn to track something. Yeah, some, yeah. Some folks will take, um, like, chicken broth or something and spray it on the, on the ground to where the bird's going to be at. Mm -hmm. um, whatever it takes, whatever scent you can lay on there to get to the bird people will use i always use a bird because i've had success with the bird and i let i you know i i find that it works it works well for me mm -hmm. um the other thing some people will say you'll hear this and some people will say well if it, here's another technique let me just throw the other technique in uh, the other technique is to instead of walking with a pole sticking out to your side and dragging a bird and then dropping it off and i always go back around i don't walk back the scent where I just laid my scent. Mm, so yeah. if I drop a bird, I walk out straight, we'll say 15 yards, I leave the bird there, I make a left turn, I walk 25, 30 yards away, and I come back in from the other side because I, I want to keep that that track nice and clean, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, well, Which is part of the reason for using the pole and not just like, you know, dragging it alongside your foot or something like that. Right, but that, and you're right, and we're going to talk about that a little bit too because when you go do the, if you're judging normally when you do a, a drag for the bird, the duck retrieve in mm -hmm. the UT test, you throw the bird right over your shoulder and drag it right behind your shoulder with with a lead. If you watch the judges, they don't put a pole out. They don't put anything out. Hmm. They'll just throw the duck down, put the lead over their shoulder, and out they go for the drag. Okay? Yeah. Um, and that's the drag. That's not the track. And, and, and we're talking about track right now. But the, what I'm saying, you're going to hear me say this. You're going to tie this in while it's just absolutely fine for a judge to throw that bird over its shoulder, his shoulder, her shoulder, and walk, and not use the pole. Some people will use a fishing pole, and what they'll do is they'll set the bird down, and then they'll release line, and they'll walk the 20 or 30 yards out, like I just said, I walked away from mm -hmm. my track, right? Yeah. They'll walk around to where they're going to leave the bird, and they'll reel in the bird to the spot. So now there's no foot track. You've only mm -hmm. dragged the bird with fishing line, right? Yeah, yeah. And they'll disconnect the fishing line. Then they'll walk back around the half circle to come back into where they're going to start. And now they have a pure track with no footprints, right? Mm -hmm. And some folks will say, well, if you're walking with the bird by your side, the, the I mean, the dog can track you. Well, guess what? We're teaching the dog to track. I don't care. If <laughs> yeah. that dog learns to track me, it's learning to put its nose down and get to the end of something. Mm -hmm, if it mm -hmm. learns to track a hot dog like some people use, it'll put its nose down and get to the end of something. As long yeah, as it's yeah. putting its nose down and tracking, then it's learning to track, right? I don't care if it follows my footprints. If there's a bird at the end and now we drop a bird or there's no bird when we let a bird go and we say dead bird, dead bird, and it starts tracking that bird and there's no footprints, guess what it's going to do? It's going to track the bird scent, mm -hmm. right? So I don't care if it tracks my footprints. I prefer that it tracks the bird, but I'm not worried about it. Yep. Just like on the UT test, they don't care if it tracks your footprints. They're just getting the bird out there so the dog to find the, the duck to make her blind retrieve back to the back to the handler. Yeah, okay, so, that makes sense. That makes sense. So... Um, uh, one other thing I'd like to touch on here. So, so now we've we've 
we've laid our track. We've put some feathers on the ground. We've rubbed the bird in there, and then we made a short drag someplace. We've left the bird there, um, and we've taken our lead off. I leave the bird there all by itself. I actually have a little Velcro piece that goes around the bird's neck, and then I just unvelcro it, and then the bird's laying there just by itself. Now we go get the puppy, or I have the owner bring in the bring in the pup, and and the pup is on um, a lead. And as we walk, or the owner brings the puppy to me, they're walking towards me with the half hitch on, and they're doing the easy command just like we did when the puppy was young. Okay, mm-hmm. so we're we're saying easy, easy, and the pup slows down, slows down, slows down. Now when it gets to the bird pile. What we're going to do is we're going to grab the collar. And if you can think of laying your hand flat on the dog's back behind the collar with your fingers pointing towards its head. So it's on the dog's back and Mm -hmm. it's pointing towards its head and the collar is in front of your hand. Now you're going to slide your hand in underneath that collar. I use a slightly loose collar and you're going to hold the collar. The reason for this is when you open your hand... If the dog's moving forward, the dog doesn't feel you open your hand, and it just keeps going forward, right? Oh, yeah. So yeah, yeah, that, that makes perfect you, sense. You got the sense? Mm-hmm. Okay, so what we're going to do, we're just going to bring the dog up. We're going to tell the dog, easy, easy, easy. We're going to slow it down. We're going to get it to the, the track where there's some feathers on the ground. We're going to slide our hands in, into the collar, like I just explained, and we're going to take the half hitch off, hook the lead right back on really doesn't feel the lead right now because it's all excited about the about the scent Mm -hmm. but we don't want the half inch on right now and then we're going to tap and you can do this in the test if you're taking a natural ability test when you start your tracking you're allowed to tap on the ground two or three feet during on the track to bring the puppy down the track that's perfectly legal and Mm -hmm. i do it all the time on a, in a, in a test. Matter of fact, I'll start my dog over sometime or puppy over. So when you start tapping on the ground, I almost guarantee you, 99% of the puppies, when you start tapping on the ground, their nose goes right down to see what your hand's tapping on. Mm-hmm. And and you just keep tapping forward, and as your, as your puppy t- starts following your hand, it'll catch that scent and start going towards that scent. You just open your hand and let it go. Don't say a word. So I'm saying, dead bird, dead bird, dead bird, dead bird, as I'm tapping my hand. The dog, the puppy puts its nose down, starts following the track. I open my hand and I let it go. Now the pup's all, all on its own. If I have um, one of my clients here, I have the client stand where we started. And I take the lead and go forward. If I'm just doing it by myself, then I just go with the puppy. Mm-hmm. Um, if what I do at this point in time is I let the puppy track the scent line now if you think about this the puppy could easily go to the right or left and just take off and i start mm-hmm. with a short lead my leads now it's only about 8 10 12 feet long okay okay yeah so we'll, we'll give it like 12 feet long now when the puppy leaves the track i don't say a word i just stand still and the pup goes to the side but it can't go anywhere can't go anyplace it's at the end of the lead but you mm-hmm. don't say anything mm-hmm. so it comes back because it can't go anyplace it comes back and as it crosses the scent it will what's called acknowledge the scent it'll hit that scent go oh what is that and it'll start following it again soon as it starts following it we go forward we don't even let it feel the lead on it so it goes off to the side and leaves the scent scent trail we stop it can't go comes back hits the scent trail again 
goes forward. We run. Uh, sometimes mm-hmm. I'm running with the pup if it's right on the scent trail. Yeah, yeah. So what what's happening is the pup is learning that if it goes to the side and leaves the scent trail, it can't go anyplace. But if it comes back and gets back on that scent trail, it can go as far as it wants. And at the end of it, it finds the prize. Yeah, right. Yeah. There's the bird. So what happens in the pup's mind is. It starts learning that if I follow this scent trail, I get a bird at the end of it. And when it gets to that bird, all positive. Way to go, at a boy, at a girl. Rub it, pet it, let it mm-hmm. pick up the bird. You have it on a lead, right? So let it run around, let it play, let it have that bird, unless it starts chomping it and taking it away. Mm-hmm. Once you do that, all you do is you start stretching the track out. Now we go 20 yards, 30 yards. We put a bend in the track. We do the same start with the same lead, Mm-hmm. Only the lead now might be 15 or 20 yards uh, along, 20 feet lead, 30 mm-hmm. feet lead. So the lead gets longer and longer. And as long as the pup is tracking, follow the pup. Don't even let it feel the lead. When it goes to the side, you just let it go to the side. And when it gets to the end of the lead, it'll have to stop. And you just stand there. You don't say a word. The pup will get tired mm-hmm. of being out to the side. It'll come back in front of you, acknowledge the track, and yeah. off it goes. Okay. And that does a couple of things. It teaches the puppy that when it loses a track, which will happen with a rooster or something running in the field or oh, yeah. a bird go, right? It, it learns that if I go back to where I was, I can get back on this track and I can maybe find the bird. Mm-hmm. So it starts learning to come back to find the track once it loses it. And it will, it will slowly learn I can track this bird. If I lose the track, I come back to where I acknowledged the track before, get back on it, continue to go forward, and I will get a bird every time. And I do. I make sure they get a bird every time, mm-hmm. by the way. If I have to stand there for an hour, no, I help a little <laughs> bit. But. So, um, well, and that's, and that's probably part of the reason why you favor a bird is because you want them to, to have that prize that they really, really want at the end of it. Yeah, and, but you could also, you know, some people use a hot dog or whatever, and they'll have a hot dog at the end. You could run a hot dog or a, or whatever kind of scent, uh, 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 you know, chicken broth scent or whatever, and leave the bird at the end. You can still have the bird at the end, even if it's a different scent. Just like if they track you and your feet, as long as you have the bird at the end, you want that prize, you know, you want that prize at the end. Okay, okay. Um, so then let me, maybe let me ask you this question. What if somebody doesn't have a bird readily available to do this track training? Well, that's a little tough. You can have a treat at the end if you want. Um, yeah, so some some kind of reward that when they, when they follow it long enough, they get a reward. Yes, yep, yep. I would suggest that, and it's not hard to do that. You just talk to people. If, you sh- if you're shooting birds over your dogs, remember we shot birds over the pup by now, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. hold on to the bird. Keep those birds. Any of the good yeah, ones. Yeah, yeah. If you go in my freezer outside, you'll probably see 50 frozen birds out there. <laughs> You've probably seen it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, just hang on to frozen birds or ask people if you can get it and then throw them out you know, yeah use yeah would well. would you would you say that like just a wing would be as as you know because you know a frozen wing can last a lot longer you still get to eat eat the bird if that's what you want to do and is that would that be as effective at the end or would you recommend against that no good question though because what i have done and this is sometimes i've done this in my backyard and playing around remember we talked mm-hmm. about tossing the bumper and putting some sin on the bumper yeah and playing yeah. the game down the down the, the hallway so that they go find the mm-hmm. bumper mm-hmm. so if you don't have a wing and i i would prefer not to use a wing i don't think there's enough scent enough weight on a wing but you could leave the gotcha. wing at the end if you want but take a bumper and buy some bird scent 
put it all on the bumper and drag the bumper with fresh bird sand on it and leave the bumper at the end. And mm. then when they okay. get yeah, yeah. again, when they get there at the end, make it all fun. Have them get the bumper, pick it up and toss it, you know, play mm-hmm. tug of war with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just throwing that in. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and, and, and that's how I do it. And uh, okay. puppies really learn pretty quickly how to, how, how to do that. I will give you a couple other little tips there. Watch your wind. So many times if the wind, will say, is coming from left to right, you want to start your dog's nose slightly to the right of the track so that the wind is, the, mm-hmm. the breeze is blowing into your dog. Yeah. Because if it, if it turns into the track, say, we'll say it's a left to right breeze, and you start, start your puppy's nose and his track just start slightly to the right, the scent is blowing into the pup's nose. Mm-hmm. If it goes to the right a little bit, it's still blowing into his pup's nose. If it goes to the left, it's hitting the track. It's hitting the, the big yeah, scent, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Now, if you start it right on the track, right on the, 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 the line, and your dog makes a left turn, it just lost the track. Yeah, yeah. So, so it started just a little bit to the right or left, whichever puts it downwind um, from the track so that it can, it can turn its head left or right and it's still got a scent cone mm-hmm. coming into it. So make sense? Yeah, yeah. No, that's great. Yeah, so pretty easy. Um, it, it, the dog already, puppy already knows dead bird means put its nose down. Um, you already knows the easy command. Um, you can use whatever you want. I, uh, I just do exactly what I just told you. I just keep doing that, doing that. And it's, uh, it's funny because some dogs don't want to track high powered dogs. They want to jump around and move around and go search. And you do that a few times mm-hmm. and all of a sudden it clicks in. They go, oh, I can find a bird at the end of this. And they put their nose down and off they go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the last, the last, and acknowledging coming back, and I know I get to talking and we run out of time, sorry. <laughs> the, uh, the, this, when I'm telling you to let the dog come back and just stand still, the last dog I, I tested, they were having problems with tracking in the field. It was a natural ability test. And uh, I had three judges standing behind me, and I actually knew the senior judge. Walked up, released the dog just like I told you, dead bird, dead bird, let it go. It went out about two feet, and it went about 10, 20 feet to the right. And, I mean, completely off the track. Just took off to the right and realized that it lost the track and turned around and ran back, acknowledged the track, put its head down, and I heard the senior judge go, well, look at that, and put its head right down, follow that track, point it, rock-solid point. I had to go out. I grabbed the pheasant, grabbed the dog, and off we came. But it realized that, ooh, I went off the track. I have to go back that way, and I can mm-hmm. get on it. And everybody was watching it. It was really cool. Yeah, really cool. yeah. So, anyhow, hope that answered your tracking questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think that's great. Uh, so, next up is field work. All right, field work. So, we've touched on this um, already you kind of heard me talk about taking the dog out in the field, giving it its head, mm-hmm. letting it make mistakes. Yep. Um, you know, it's easier to pull a dog in than it is to pu- push a dog back out. Um, we mentioned that you can pull on a rope, but it, you can't push on a rope. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So a big part of field work is letting that dog be a puppy and letting it roam and letting it get out there. You know, one of the things that my dogs do is they will pin or pinch depending on who's, who wants to call it what birds will they get out in front of it and they pin the bird in between you and them so that the bird will stop running and go in there allows them to go on point mm-hmm. they can't learn that unless you give them their head let them get out there yeah in front of you. yeah so first and foremost let that dog have let that puppy have fun let it get out there if it gets out there too fun too far that's okay just keep an eye on it mm-hmm. um, we can we can break that later 
Um, so a couple other things that I do is that puppies like to be in front of you. They like to know where you're at. Um, and so when a puppy's working the field, if it's going in a straight line, I won't be going in a straight line. Meaning mm. if that puppy's walking in front of me and it's just going straight, the next time it turns around, I'm going to be 30, 20, 30 yards to its left. I'm going to have walked towards my left. So what happens is the pup sees you on the left and it wants to be in front of you, so it goes back over and starts working in front of you. If it walks, again, a straight line, then I'm going to be walking towards my right. So I'm going to kind of be doing the quartering for the puppy. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So that way they kind of learn to mirror you in that. Right, right. And what I'm going to do is if I have a pup that wants to go, go straight and I know this pup is doing that, I'm going to make sure that there's a bird planet to the left the side or the right of it so when it goes to the left bam it's going to find a bird mm-hmm. or it goes to the right bam it's going to find a bird and then we're going to go ahead and let it point it shoot it or wherever we're at on there but i'm going to yeah i'm going to i'm going to have a positive experience when it starts moving the way i want it to move and that will just make the puppy start learning oh i've got to go sideways i've got to go this way i've got to go that way i've got to mm-hmm. start checking this field out because that's when i find the birds right um if i have a pup that won't won't move forward very far in front of me and i know it likes to chase birds and it's seen birds well then i'll put launchers in a row out there i'll put three or four launchers in a row out there mm-hmm. and as the pup's working i'll launch a bird and it'll see the bird come up 30 30 yards in front of it mm-hmm. bird flies away and then we go to the next one pop the bird up again 30 yards in front of it well what does the puppy start thinking oh man these birds keep getting away i'm gonna speed up and the and the pup starts stretching itself itself out Ticket. Mm. So that's how I get the puppies to get more desire to work farther out. I start popping the birds farther out. Now, as soon as the, the puppy starts working farther out, what do I do? I don't pop the bird. I let it get a point and let it shoot a bird. So mm-hmm. it comes together. Oh, I got, I stretched it out. I got further away from them and I got this bird. The other yeah. ones were yeah. getting away, right? Opposite of when the, opposite of when the puppy's going too far out. And it's not paying much attention to me. And when it turns around and looks at me, I start throwing birds out of my vest and shoot a bird. And it comes running back to get a bird. That's the opposite. Now it's Mm -hmm. thinking, oh, I better stay a little closer because every time I go too far out, this guy gets birds without me. (laughs) Yeah, right. Like I said, many times I'll shoot the bird and as the the pup's on its way back, I'll walk up, pick it up, put it in my vest. And we'll continue on. So what does that do to the puppy? Gosh, darn it. I wasn't here to get that bird. He got mm-hmm. it by himself. I got to mm-hmm. stay a little closer. Now that's for a high drive dog. Right? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, so that's that's a couple of little things I do out in the field. Try to keep it all positive. Um, if you have a dog that is is walking very slowly, you want to speed up your pace because that'll that'll entice the dog to go out mm-hmm. farther and to move faster. Yeah, because if you start passing it, it's not it's it's gonna want to get out in front of you even more and. Yep kind of kind of at least match your pace so it stays out in front yep, yep. so it, you want to you want to speed up to get it to go f- farther and faster if it's going too far and too fast you want to slow down a little bit okay and those are all little tips to help bring a nice looking field work out the bottom line in my opinion is to let that puppy be a puppy and let it get out there and move mm-hmm. out um, I will mention this again, and you probably me- heard me or remember me mention it when we talked about pointing. When your dog does find a bird out in the field, you want to be sure that you come in from the side 
and don't walk up the back of your dog because it'll feel you coming in. And just like when you feel somebody coming up your back, you want to turn around and see what's going on or you mm-hmm. want to move. And once the dog moves, it'll probably break. So come in from the side where it can see you. And that's where I'll softly start saying my woke command. You know, the dog's out there. I want to have positive experience for the dog. Mm-hmm. If it's not moving left to right, the birds are going to be left to right. If the dog's not moving farther no- far enough out, I'm going to pop birds far enough out. As soon as it starts doing what we like it to do, doing the quartering, it's going to find birds to the side. If it moves out, it's going to find birds in front of it. We're going to let that dog go on point going to give it a soft woe command flush the bird as soon as we can if it's on point shoot the bird and praise the heck out of it yeah okay yeah um so i guess one one question that i have is while you're working on this field work how are you being mindful of like the way the wind's blowing like do you because obviously the the way the wind blowing affects you know how you know where the dog is going to scent birds and all that kind of stuff. So do you, are you do you try to especially in this first year do you try to be really intentional with okay the wind's blowing left to right today so I'm gonna you know if I'm hunting this ridge I'm gonna start on the left side and or no I'm gonna start on the right side so that I'm going into the wind to begin with or, or is there any anything like that that oh, you try to be mindful of absolutely there is and I uh, I carry p- powder with me in my vest so I can check the wind because the wind will change on you mm-hmm. and when I'm br- working with that pup I'm always conscious of the wind and how I want to work that pup and and before we're going to get right back on that, remind me to talk to you about the breeze and the scent cone mm-hmm. but you were saying when I'm out in the field I did a radio show well, i don't know a few weeks back a talk show and and during the break one of the guys who had read the book who's been training bird dogs for a long time his name's his name's russ by the way russ told me he's been training pointers for many 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 years mm-hmm. and he's done the woe under the belly and he's done all the other woe and woe table and all that stuff and he, he, one of the reasons i got on the radio show was because of him my my uh my friend jimmy actually does the radio show and and russ said you know what I've been doing all that stuff that has been hard on the dog and taking formal woe training. And I started doing what you said before it's food, woe throughout the day. All my young puppies woe better than the other dogs. They're great. It's unbelievable. <laughs> They're happy. You know, he goes, that yeah. was great. But he said during the break, he said, you got to mention your tool on the duct tape. And I was like, huh? And he goes, the duct tape. I go, okay. And what he, what he, the reason he brought that up is in the book someplace, I put one of the best tools that I have that I can't use is, duct tape to put over a handler or owner's mouth (laughs) (laughs) yeah right i bring that up because you said when you're in the field how conscious are you of the wind i want to mention to be conscious of your voice i hear Mm. people out there going hunt them up hunt them up come on hunt them up hunt them up bird in here bird in here let's go shut up let the dog do its work if the dog's on bird scent or on, on in the scent cone or tracking a bird, be quiet. Let the dog do its job. That's mm-hmm. what it's out there for. And let the puppy to learn to know to do its job. And I see people getting in the habit of doing that. And then they go out and they hunt wild birds. And they start saying, bird in here, bird in here. Hunt them up, hunt them up. Come on, find the bird. What do you think those wild birds are doing? They're heading for the next country. Because they hear that human voice and they're running as, as, you know, to beat all heck up the hill and around the other side and gone. So I try to be really quiet out in the field with the puppies. Mm -hmm. I don't say a word unless I have to until it goes on point. And then it's, whoa, oh, good boy. Whoa, good Mm -hmm. girl. Whoa. 
pop the bird and shoot it. So, so that's number one. Be conscious of your voice. Hunt them up. Let the puppy work. The puppy's got the nose. It can smell way more than you can. Yeah, and when yeah. it gets on the scent, it doesn't need your voice help to get on the scent, okay? Wind, absolutely. I want to bring that dog, most of the time, I want to bring the dog from downwind into the scent cone and let it build up until it goes on point. Um, if I have a, a, a pup that's a hard runner, I might use the wind at a 90-degree angle. I might want it coming from the side. Mm-hmm. Um, also, if the breeze is coming and I want my dog to start spreading out, I will put a bird to the left where I know the downward side is coming into it. Um, and I will be walking to my left with the puppy starting on the right side. So it has to spread out. And what happens when it spreads out? All of a sudden, it runs into that scent cone, follows it, and goes on point. So, yes, I'm very conscious of the of the breeze and the wind every time I'm every time I'm out in the field, mm-hmm. and, I, and I'm constantly checking with it. By the way, I've got my powder that I'm letting go and you know letting go and watching. So yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's that's basic field work. Um, there's a lot more we get into when we get into steadiness and things of that nature, but um, uh, you know. Let the pup be a pup. Make everything positive. Have a lot of birds out there for it to find when it's doing the right thing. Uh, shoot some birds over it. And, uh, uh, you know, all the tips that I said about walking faster, slower, and mm-hmm. from side to side and things of that nature. Yeah, yeah. Just helping them then to mirror you and in, in how they you want them to be in the field. Well, I don't want them to so much mirror me. They will, but I'm enticing them to do something. Gotcha. Okay, yeah, that's a, that, that is a better way to put that. Yeah, because yeah, you don't want to have to always do that no. in the field. You, wanna, you want them to to see you do that, get rewarded, and then they just do it on their yeah, own. Yeah, I'm yeah. just enticing them to do what, what they will start doing naturally after they start learning. And some pups just do it naturally, naturally on their own, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, the basic field work, how I started out. Great. Well, we've still got time for at least one more and hopefully two more subjects here real quick. So the next one is crating and chain gang. And so kind of what, what's your philosophy behind that? You know, what do you see as valuable about those things and, and why they're, why they're part of the book? Okay. And, and folks, if we're going through this kind of fast on this podcast, I apologize. I know that the next one is e-collars, and that's probably going to be all by itself, and we've just got a couple more things to go through, so we're trying to get through it all, so when we get to the next one, we have the entire um, the entire podcast to focus on e-collars, because yeah. sometimes mm-hmm. it can take a long time. So um, uh, that's another myth, by the way. I'm going to just crack, and we've said this already. You don't have to crate your dog. You don't have to kennel your dog. You mm-hmm. don't have to put your dog in a chain gang to make it good, be a good hunting dog. Yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's a myth. However, having said that, you want a well-mannered dog, and you want a dog that you can take to hunt camp and be a well-mannered dog. Mm-hmm. Um, you also want a dog that if you take to somebody's house and they're going to sleep in the house or you go to a motel, that it knows to stay in the crate and it's a well-mannered dog. So I crate train all my dogs, and I put them on the chain gang. Um, I rarely, rarely use them. I do it, that well, all, except for when I'm driving. My dogs love to be in there. When I open my back doors to my truck, they're, they're standing there waiting for them to, mm-hmm. to, so I can open the door so they can jump in their crate and let's go someplace. So um, I do crate my dogs, um, and I do, I do put them on the chain gang. It does a few things. One, it puts your dog in a safe, secure area when it's in a crate, when you're driving. It also gives it its own space. 
if you're in somebody's house that it can go into. Many times if I take a crate into somebody's house and I open it up or I'm in a motel, I open up the door. I take the door off is what I do because I have the ruffling candles and I pull the door off. And my dog will just go in and out of the crate when it wants. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I go to bed, I'll you know put the, put the door on. So um, I, I crate train my dogs the way I do that is I start it with the door off. I will make it very positive. I might even feed them in the crate, put some food in the crate. Mm-hmm. And I have the crate in the front room. Um, and I put them in there, and I'll, I'll bend down, go in there with them, right next to them, put some food in, go, go, boy, go. And I let them come in and out. I don't want it threatening to start with. I let them just go in, have some food, play with them, pet them, and then come out. And then I'll put them in and out of the crate a few times, just do this now and then. So they get real comfortable going in and out of the crate. It's not a threat. It's not a, oh, mm-hmm. my goodness. And then from there, now I deal with griffs, so griffs tend to have uh, separation and anxiety. So, again, if you train a dog in the way that it understands, it will, it will circumvent you from having problems in the future, mm-hmm. and which is a lot harder to fix. We've, d- we've discussed that. So what I do with any dog, but ex- specifically with a griff, is after I've had the door off and I put them in for a treat and let them come in and out. Just got them used to going in and out. Then I will, then I'll put them in there, put the door on, and I'll walk down the hallway and turn around, walk right back up, let them out, and don't say I'm not. And I'm not praising them, by the way, when they come out. I'm not saying good boy, good girl, good boy. Mm-hmm. What I do is I put them in the crate like it's nothing. Kennel is what I do, and I put them in the crate, put the door on, don't say anything, walk away. Walk back out. I don't say, good boy, hey, I'm here. I just walk in like it's no big deal. Mm-hmm. Open the door and say, out. Remember the out command? Yeah. Right? Yep. Out they come. It's only been a minute or two. They're used to the out command. They're used to going in and out of the crate. Now we just added that they're going to be in there by themselves for a little bit, and the, and the door is going to be closed. Okay? And then I just start stretching that time out a little farther, a little farther, mm-hmm. a little farther. And that circumvents them having separation anxiety. They get real comfortable in there. If you want, you can throw a toy in there, a t-shirt, or what have you. But they get real comfortable in there, and they start. And I start stretching and stretching out. Pretty soon, if I'm going to go to the store, I'll leave them in for an hour and come back and open the crate. Again, I make no big deal when I open the crate. I'm, I'm going to throw another tip out. I see people whose dogs, they're, what do I want to say? They're almost like spasms, right? They're jumping <laughs> all over. They're yeah, moving yeah. around. They're, you can't keep them still. They're going crazy. They're vocal. Wah, 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 wah. And then they get into a duck blind, and they're telling the dog to be quiet. Be quiet. And the dog's vocal. And it's moving around, and it's impatient, and da-da-da-da, or it's jumping on kids. I when, when I come up to my dogs, when it comes to me, I bend it down. Good boy. Good girl. Good boy. I don't do a whole lot of letting it jump on me. Come on, what are you doing? How are you doing? What are you doing? Oh, good boy, go. What are you doing? What are you doing? The dog's talking, blah, 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 mm-hmm. Because now you're teaching it to do that. Yeah, so yeah, you're rewarding the behavior. You're rewarding the behavior. Way, good way to put it. So I bend down. I pet my dog. How are you doing? I walk off. I'm going to go do something. You want, and most of my dogs run and get a toy, a towel, so they can bring it to me. And that's it. Um, I can praise them more and have fun with them later, but I don't do it do it when I first get into the house or they first meet me. Mm-hmm. It's very positive. How you doing, buddy? Good boy. And that's it. I don't make a big deal of jumping around and doing all that stuff. Same thing with the crate training. When I let them out, it's nothing. When I put them in, it's nothing. Mm-hmm. And then after they come out, we, we play and so on and so forth. So then I just stretch the time on that. 
Um, I basically do the same thing with um, with a chain gang. I put down my pole in the chain. I'll put their food by it, and I'll take their food by it, and they start eating it. I'll hook the chain to them and just unhook it. And if, even if I have to bring it in the house, I'll hook it and, and just unhook it just so they get used to, hey, I'm eating. He's putting the chain on me. So what? Mm -hmm. you know, so yeah. what? Take it off. That's it. And then I will go outside, do the same thing, put the chain on them, give them some water, maybe some food, walk away for a little bit. The key here is when you walk away, if they get vocal, don't go back. Wait a couple minutes. As soon as they're quiet, go back. Mm -hmm. Same thing with the crate. If you put them in the crate and they start whining, the first couple times you go back real fast. You know, once they know, once they get comfortable that you're coming back, you just walk down the hallway, walk back, let them out, even mm -hmm. if they're whining, to start with. But after they're in there for a while, now they're in there for 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes, they start whining, and you're even ready to let them out, wait a couple minutes. As soon as they stop whining, open the crate and let them out. Mm -hmm. Same thing with the chain gang. As soon as they stop barking, stop whining, they're quiet for a while. Then I go, oh, take the chain off and let them out. Yeah, so, yeah, um, yeah. And I, I, I'm glad that you mentioned that because that was what is what I was going to ask you about is you know what the relationship between their like their behavior in the crate or on the chain, you know, because because uh, a lot of people it seems like that they that's kind of a moment that they end up giving in is like oh i just i don't like to hear my dog whine and so i'm, I'm just gonna i'm just gonna let it off or let it out in those moments yeah and um you know who's teaching whom at that point right your your puppy's teaching you um to it's giving you the vocal command to do something but i'm i'm gonna say that remember we've set the dog up for success we haven't just put the dog in the crate and walked off and let it there mm -hmm. and said okay I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna let it out till it stops whining. We're not doing that to the puppy. Yeah, yeah. We're starting off letting it go in and out without the door. Then we're gonna put the door on. Then we're gonna walk away. We're gonna come back. Then we're gonna stretch that a little bit, even if it is whining to start with. So mm -hmm. we're gonna let the pup know it's safe, that you're coming back. Yeah. This is all normal stuff. It's nothing to be worried about, and it's just part of the deal, right? Mm -hmm. same, th same thing with the chain gang. We're going to do the same type of type of deal. So we're not setting the pup up to be left there and whine and cry and go crazy. Yeah, yeah. We, we've already set the foundation, so this is okay to do. It's going to be normal. You're going to be safe. I'm going to come let you off. Now when we've, when we've brought that time out a little bit, that's when we don't want to go when it's whining. Because mm -hmm. we don't want the dog. And when I say, you know, don't go... You know, if the dog is whining, puppy's whining, wah, 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 you just sit there, wah, 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 go open the crate. Yep, yep. Okay, so that's all it takes, and the dog will learn. So um, I, I, I crate train my dog and put him on the chain gang specifically for other people, more so than myself. Mm -hmm. um, because I don't want my dog bouncing around somebody's house if I'm sleeping at their house. I don't want it bouncing around a motel. I do want to keep it safe in the car. Um, but at my house, it's got free roam. The chain gang, I don't want my dog screaming in the car, barking, bouncing around, jumping in the car. I don't want it putting on a, on a chain, yelling and screaming. I want it to be the dog that settles down and relaxes and learns patience. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's all part of this deal is to learn patience. Yep. Um, I, it, it bothers me, and I'm going to just throw this out to you, and I've had this happen. You have five people at hunting camp, because I go to a lot of hunting camps, and you got four people with their dogs on a chain gang, and you got one guy who doesn't have his dog trained, 
and he lets his dog ru- or his dogs run all around the camp, and the other dogs are watching it, and that dog is peeing and pooping wherever it wants. It's getting into stuff. It's going up to people in their chairs, mm-hmm. and that person's probably not getting invited back to my Tucker camp next year, <laughs> right? Yeah, okay? yeah, exactly. So I don't want to be that, that guy, that person or that girl. However, now I hunt with my friends Bruce and a number of other friends, uh, Gary and our dogs and Kirk and we let our dogs run around. So if everybody's letting their dogs run around camp, absolutely. My dogs are like everybody else. They're running around. They're meeting you. They're putting their head on your shoulder or whatever when you're sitting down around the campfire. Mm-hmm. That's all good. That's the way we do it. But if I'm at a camp where everybody's dogs are put up, my dog's going to be put up too. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. It's um, kind of like the ethical thing to do is uh, is do what's appropriate for the camp you're at. So I want my my dogs or the house that you're in. I want my dogs and my pups to be able to do whatever it needs, whether it be roam free or um, or being a crate or a kennel. By the way, I want to mention something here real quick. I know I always get carried away. I'm so sorry. <laughs> do you remember, remember, and I'm talking about dogs roaming around, remember the no command? I, I said no is a command. Yeah, then yeah. When you're young, no is a command. I have people say, I don't let my dogs pee, and I just thought about this. I don't let my dogs pee on, on anybody's tires. They don't. My male dogs won't go pee on your tire. Mm, yeah. Because I, because when they were young, as soon as I said, no, no. And they know no means that that's not appropriate to do. Mm-hmm. So when they're running around camp, you won't see them go pee on the truck tire. I have a lot of people go, well, that's just a male dog. Well, yeah, it is a male dog, but you can teach them not to do that. Yeah, so yeah, if exactly. You, if you teach the no command, you can put that in a lot. My, my dog, CK, and um, a lot of people that have been in my clinics that are listening to this are going to go, yep, I've seen this happen. I'll have 30 or 40 dogs sitting around at my clinic next to their owners or outside. And they, and my dog, CK, is running all around. And he goes up to all the males. He goes by. If I see a problem, I'll put him up, tell him no, lay down alongside of me. But he never, never hassles any other dog. And this is where he breeds. So this is his territory. But he's completely friendly to all dogs. That's because anytime he started growling or posturing and stuff, I said no. That's not acceptable. I'm the alpha here, not you. And he learned that, no. Now, if a dog attacks him, he has gotten a couple dog fights. If a dog attacks him, which they have, out hunting, so he'll fight back. He's a tough son of a gun. Mm-hmm. But he's not going to go start it. He's not going to posture. And I'm just bringing that up because the no command is an important command, as well as out in the field, as well as at home, but also at hunting camp and mm-hmm. somebody's house. Yeah, so, yeah. Okay. All right. Great. Well, I think we've got... A couple more minutes here that we'll go ahead and get into this next one so that our our next session we'll get into e-callers and take the deep dive into that. (laughs) So uh, is talking about the hold command. And I know we talked about this a little bit in an earlier episode, actually, when you kind of gave us a little bit of a recap of the training clinic that you did kind of into the summer. Um, So we've talked a little bit about it, but why don't you go ahead and kind of give us a quick recap of of at this stage, this is still like first year puppy. Yep. You know, what you're doing with the hold command and, and maybe just as importantly, what you're not doing with the hold command. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. That's a really good point. And, you know, it's funny because we sit here and we talk about this and some of these things that I do, it takes me longer to explain it on the podcast than it does <laughs> to do it in real person, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so the hold command, and, and this is not force fetch. I want to just put that out there. We are not making the puppy do anything 
that is um, going to be very negative to the puppy at this stage in the pup's life. Mm -hmm. Yes, we're going to teach it no. We're going to teach it to woe. We're going to teach it to go easy with a with the um, uh, half hitch. We're going to have control of this puppy. We're going to teach it to recall. But we don't want to get heavy on a pup at this age. This is the, the yeah. pup's first. Let the pup be a pup, right? Mm -hmm. um, but one of the things that we, we, we can do, and I do a lot, and anybody who's listened to the first or second podcast know I did it in about three or to five minutes with the little puppy up at the clinic that I had here this year. And that is the whole command. And I want you to think of the whole command, like te teaching a dog to shake hands or teaching a dog to speak. How many kids have taught a dog to shake hands? They sit there and they get a treat and they mm -hmm. pick the dog's up, paws up and they hold it and they give it a treat and they go, boy, shake hands. And they pick the dog's paw up and produce it in there. Watch this, mom. Watch this, dad. Shake. And the pup lifts its paw up and they shake its hand. They give it a treat, you know? Yep. Yeah. My wife did the same thing with shake and roll over were the two things that she was like, I want to make our dogs do this. I'm like, Okay. <laughs> yeah, and she did it. So she's a dog trainer. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Right? Uh huh. You know? <laughs> so that's all the whole command is. It's the it is the shake. It is the speak. You know, you hold up a treat and make the dog bark before it gives it a, a treat. I don't do that one, but but you know, people do. And the rollover. We're just having fun. You can do this. I usually do the whole command when I'm watching TV and my dog's on on my lap in front of me. Mm -hmm. or, uh, it's using the front room when we're doing something fun. And all you're going to do is take a little dowel. I take a real small dowel. I know some guys and girls that start this with a pencil. They'll start it with a, just a pencil. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, just a little pencil. But I take a little maybe half-inch, three-quarter-inch dowel. Um, same thing I used at the clinic. And I will just take it to the pup, and I will use treats on this. This is all fun. I use treat at, er at the delivery all the time. You probably heard me say that. Um, when we get to force fetch and we get to field work, mm -hmm. I always use a treat at the delivery. I want the delivery to be very positive. I want the dog looking up. So this yeah. set, this sets the stage for a delivery as well as for force fetch. Okay, um, and but it's all fun. All I'm going to do is take a dowel and playing with the pup, having fun, and I'm just going to put it in the pup's mouth. And when I when I put it in the pup's mouth. I'm going to take one hand at the bottom and one hand at the top, and I'm going to hold the pup's mouth together, and I'm going to go, hold, hold, for that long. Hold, and I'm going to say, give, and, I'm, and, and it's going to want to spit the thing out. So as soon as it comes out, I'm going to give it a treat. Mm -hmm. Good boy, good girl, boy, good girl. Same thing. Put it right back in its mouth. Hold, 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 give. Oh, good boy, good girl. It really didn't do anything. I did, right? But, mm -hmm. the, but the dowel was in its mouth. It heard the command, hold, and it heard the command, give. I use give, some people use drop, whatever command you want to use. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then that's the, the first couple sessions, that's all you do. What you're trying to do is get the dog focused on the treat. Ooh, that was good. Not so much what you're doing, but the treat. Oh, mm -hmm. that was positive. I want that treat again. That was fun. We're only going to do that a few times, and then there's going to be no more treats. We're, we're done. We're going to be, we'll watch TV or whatever. Mm -hmm. The following night, we're going to bring that treat out again. We're going to have that, that dowel in our hand, right? And we're going to put it in its mouth, say, hold, hold. We're going to hold it a little longer. Hold, hold. Give it a treat. Oh, good boy. Good girl. Pet it. And you will be surprised, uh, as I mentioned in the earlier podcast, that puppy that I never met the first day was holding, and I was holding its my hands over its mouth, letting it go, holding my hands, opening my hands, and then taking it out right away. Mm -hmm. The second day, by the end, and we only did it for like, I don't know, four or five minutes each day, seven minutes. Yeah. I gave that puppet, opened its mouth, it took the dowel, it sat there with the dowel in its mouth, it held it, I said, give, give me the give, and it went for the treat. 
It was just that fast, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's all you're doing. If your pup doesn't want to do this, it's just like if your pup doesn't want to shake hands, don't do it. Stop. Come back. Do it next month or a month later. It's nothing that has to be done. Your dog doesn't have to learn how to shake hands. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. have to learn how to speak for a treat. And it doesn't have to learn to hold when it's a puppy. But I will tell you, 95% of the pups will learn that, and they'll learn it very quickly. Now, once you have that command in place, guess what? When you get to force fetch and you put it in there and you say hold, it's all positive already. Oh, mm-hmm. I, know, I know how to do this. Mm-hmm. I, I was getting these treats when I was th- you know, 12 weeks old. So that force fetch becomes a much easier process. Yeah, yeah. So. Where you, yeah, where it just sets you up again the the baby steps setting it up so that everything can be as successful as possible yep yep in a, in a progression that the dog understands and with a reward that's positive and as a team you know that's what we're doing the entire way the dog is the dog's walking down the path that's making sense to it and it's enjoying it and if mm-hmm. you have a puppy that's doing that it like i say wants to learn to learn it wants to keep walking down that path it's like okay what's the next thing down this this path and they learn to learn, which means that you can teach them anything. So, so yeah. I think we got through them all. Didn't yeah, we? yeah, and we're <laughs> we're right at an hour right now, so we did we did good on this one. Wow. So the the next one we'll see how well we do on that as we dive into e collars. But um, so George, thanks again for for taking the time to sit down and talk through this stuff with us. It's been uh so so impactful for for me and working with my dogs and based on the emails that we've gotten very very impactful for a lot of people so thank you for your 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 time with this you know we don't we don't have any support at this point so it's just kind of out of the goodness of our of our hearts to do this and um but yeah it's i know that it's been it's been a good thing for a lot of people i I, i've got to you know i've got to repeat that i'm getting a lot of emails and a lot of calls and texts and messages on facebook and other social media um that people are really enjoying it and they're they're learning and uh and and it's i I like to help people and i think we're doing that and more importantly i like to help puppies (laughs) and i think we (laughs) might be doing that so um yeah we're not sponsored we're doing this to just to just to have people learn and so that they can work and build a stronger bond hopefully with their puppies um by the way, next next month I'll be speaking at the NAVDA uh, annual meeting. Um, I think we might get a podcast done before that, but if not, then I will be speaking there in South Dakota, so that should be kind of fun. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, um, thanks again for having me. I hope people are enjoying it. Sorry we went so fast this time, but we're trying to get it all in. Yep, yep. And uh, keep your questions and comments coming. I, I really enjoy those. Like I said, I read every every single um, comment that's that's marked uh, rating or review on the book. I read every email that comes to me. I might not get back to everybody right away because I'm hunting and I get a lot of them, but I really appreciate the feedback and I, I hope we're helping you and I really hope we're helping your puppy and your dog. Yeah. Yeah. So don't forget that you can uh, write into the tips and tails podcast at gmail.com for any questions or comments that you have. Uh, you can also learn more about George at huntinggriff.com. Um, and then don't forget that you, uh, if you like and subscribe, you won't miss any episodes um, and it can help other people to, to find us and find this great resource that we've been putting out for you guys. And don't forget that 
Blessed be the man and woman who lives with a bird dog by their side. All right. Have a great day.